0: My name's Casey. I'm one of the staff pastors here. I'll be sharing and continuing in a message series that we've called Legends. I actually have the privilege to talk about a guy named Joseph in the Bible. It's going to be a great story. I'm going to try to get through the whole context of his story in a short amount of time, so hang on and fasten your seatbelts. He's an Old Testament character. He's a real guy, by the way. Uh, It's not just uh, some fictional guy. He's real. He's, he's ready to go. And uh, you're going to learn a lot from Joseph. I did when studying him. And uh, so I think you are too. So we're in the book of Genesis chapter 41 and we're picking up in verse 41 with Joseph. So here we go. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and he placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all Egypt Now, that's pretty powerful if you're second-in-command of all Egypt at that particular time period. Egypt was a powerhouse, if you would, of the world. And Pharaoh ran things, and for this young man to get his signet ring and to have people kneel down, I talk about that's that's, that's a place of success, right? I mean, if you think about it, that's the American dream. (laughs) But uh, this is where he was. But what we realize in the life of Joseph is success is a journey and not a destination. We looked at the destination here, but it took a long journey for Joseph to get to this place in his life. And so I'm gonna give you a little bit of his backstory. Joseph was actually betrayed by his brothers. He had some brothers, they betrayed him. They, They put him in a pit and then sold him into slavery, what we would call human trafficking. That's exactly what they did to Joseph. Threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery, went back home, told their dad that Joseph got killed by an animal, and framed him, basically said he got murdered. And in slavery, he was framed again and thrown into prison. And this was a course of about 13 years. Sounds like a good doctoral program if you ask me. He was ready to go ahead and do some surgery. I don't know about you, but that college degree I'm not very interested in. But God has a way of using life to teach us a lot of lessons. And we're gonna learn that with Joseph because it all began with a dream. The dream is where it started in Joseph's life. The dream. In Genesis chapter 37, it says here, one night Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more or more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before me. (laughs) You like that? I'm sure his brothers were really getting fired up about that one. (laughs) They bowed low before me and uh, his brothers responded, so you think you'll be our king, do you? do you actually think you'll reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. He said, listen, I have had another dream. He said, the sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. Now this really got them going. Even his daddy said, now hold up a second, boy. (laughs) And so this dream was resonating in Joseph's life. And Some, some theology teachers say that he was a young man and he was, and he was a little bit haughty and he was a little bit prideful. But you know what? I'm going to take the flip side of that. and I just want to tell everybody about my dream. And if people don't like your dream, they are insecure. it's not about what's going on in them. It's about what's going on inside of you. And, and everybody has the ability to discover their dream. When we look through the scripture, we can't just say, well, that was for Joseph. No, that's for you too. And everybody has the ability to discover their dream, their specific mission in life. You know, we have a general mission as a church to reach people. We have a general dream of God, if you would, for our life, which is to make it to eternity, right? To, to, to make it to heaven, but life's more than that. God's created us, he's fashioned us in his likeness, And he's fashioned out the good works for us to walk in, and that's our specific mission. I believe that we have a specific mission in life. I'm going to share a few guys that you probably know. Sam Walton, founder of Walmart, he envisioned building a low-cost organization. He did it. Paul Galvin, founder of Motorola, he dreamed of building a great and lasting company. He did it. Walt Disney wanted to make people happy and bring joy to children. And I might say, parents, I know I love you, still like Mickey Mouse. Love to go to Disney World, right? But these guys had a dream. And so when we're talking about the dream, I don't want you to get into the comparison test. I really don't want you to do that because it can be any type of dream. There's no dream greater than the other dream. There's no purpose greater than the other purpose. So I I want you to look at yourself as a person of value in God's eyes, no matter what your background is, no matter what you are, no matter where you're at in life. Because the dream is this, I'm gonna simplify it for you. It's knowing your purpose in life, it's growing to reach your maximum potential, and it's sowing seeds that benefit others. So knowing your purpose in life is taking your giftedness, what your skill set is and what your passion is and put it together, that's purpose. And and let's just look at it this way. The dream will do this for you. It will create an inspiring picture of the future that will energize your mind, your will and emotions and cause you to catapult or to hurdle over every obstacle to get there. It's like energy that will sustain you. It's like, the, it's like the nitro boost on a car. It, it's, it's, it's like the, the, the blood transfusion that old boy used when he run, won the Tour de France, right? That's what it's like. And so this is what a dream will do for you. It will cause you to go further. It'll cause you to last longer. It'll cause you to go the extra mile. It'll cause you to wake up early. It'll cause you to take care of your mind, your will, and emotions. It'll cause you to take care of your physical body. It'll cause you to do whatever is necessary to accomplish that dream, it will begin to put restraints on your life and you'll begin to change your habits and form different disciplines in order to accomplish the dream. And so we wanna look at this. And so I've got two main questions for you as people today. The first question is, are you existing or are you discovering? No in between for today. Am I, this is what you wanna think about today, am I existing or am I in discovery mode? Am I discovering? And you'll see how this plays out because God doesn't want us just existing and it's easy to get to a place of existing. God wants us to continue to be in discovery mode and the dream will do that. The dream will cause you to stay in discovery mode. But some people have been discouraged from dreaming or even having vision in their life. They really have. Some people are hindered by past disappointments and hurts. Some people get in the habit of settling for average. They just settle. They just say, that's the way it is. That's the way it's always been. And that's the way it's going to be. And that forms habits in your life. That forms daily habits because how you think how you dream, how you think about the way God thinks about you will begin to change your habits, your daily functions. See, habits is the invisible architecture of your life, believe it or not. You are what you do. You are what you are because you are what you do. You are what you are how you think because how you think is how you live. How you live equals your habits and how you, how, how you form those habits will equal your future. This is not complicated. It's not complicated at all. Some people lack the faith or confidence to even go for something that's bigger than them. They just lack the faith. They're insecure. They, they just lack the faith of confidence to, to pursue their dreams. Other people are just surrounded by negativity. It's the law of the inner circle, which says those closest to you will determine your level of success. So look at your neighbor and say, thank God I'm next to you. Psychological experts say that you're the average of the five people you hang around. So i always suggest podcasts. <laughs> All right. It's true. Now, so in order to accomplish the dream and in, in order to have a dream, when you do get a dream, God wants to give you a dream and, It gets you into discovery mode, but as that thing begins to formulate, as that thing begins to, look, here's the thing with a dream. A lot of people wanna have the clear picture of exactly what the dream looks like, but if I turned all the lights off in this room right now, there's cracks in these doors right here, and it's just a crack of light. All I need is just a crack of light and faith. If, if I can just see a little bit of light, I'm going to begin to grope towards the light. I'm gonna to begin to grope to the crack in that door because I know I'm gonna to get to another level. I know there's something awaiting me outside of that door and I don't have to have it all planned out. I just gotta start moving in a direction. It's called discovery. But when you begin to move in that direction and when you begin to see the crack of light, so to speak, you're going to have to pass some tests to get there. You're going to stub your toe on that chair right there. I'm going to trip over James' foot. I'm going to fall down. I'm going to get rug burn. You got it. I'm going to get depressed and cry, get back up. But let me take you through some tests that every person has to go through in order to get to that door that brings you to the next level. The first Test is the endurance test, the endurance test. Genesis chapter 39 says when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. So there there you go, here's how they did it, by the way. They lined these guys up, these gals up, and these rich dudes and these high politicians walked in and said, hmm, that one looks good, bid on him. That's exactly what took place. Potiphar bid on Joseph. He threw the most gold coins down. He said, he's coming to my house. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant and put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. So we see Joseph being sold human trafficking, being in the house of Potiphar. He could have committed suicide, by the way, very, very easily. But he didn't. It said he began to succeed in everything he did and Potiphar made notice of it and put him in charge of everything in his house. How would you like that? A slave in human trafficking, now I run the show in Potiphar's house. See, endurance always is seen in the face of adversity. Always. It's strong character that's developed in difficult times. Without difficulties and without adversity, no endurance can be developed. It's impossible. I know for some of you who are runners, you know how it is after the five miles or the seven miles or however good you are, you maybe get that runner's cramp and that, that, that thing kicks in. And you got to run through that runner's cramp in order to get what the, they call the second wind. But you never develop the second wind if you stop running before the runner's cramp. And he could have stopped right there, but he had endurance. You know, R.H. Macy failed seven times before the success of his New York store that we know as Macy. Seven times. Wow. Boy, he would have, some of you would have quit after the first, the third for sure, but the seventh? How about this? Bill Boeing's first airplane failed so badly that he had to enter into the furniture business. He went, to sell, he went from Boeing to couches and easy recliners. Endurance requires hardiness to face challenges and to become stronger. Endurance is not allowing failure to define who you are and put a label on you. Endurance is failing forward, and it's developed over time. You don't just wake up one day with endurance. Endurance begins to develop. It's like a muscle, it's like a muscle, and some of you need to develop that muscle of endurance, but you got to work on it, and you got to do like Joseph. And as you begin to pass one test, there's another one coming. It's called the self-management test. The self-management test in Genesis chapter 39, verse 6, so Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing, except what kind of food he wanted to eat. Now, that must be good. I'll take roasted lamb and give me some bell pepper. Everything else is covered. Where are we going today? That's how good Joseph was. Not only did he have administrative power, Joseph was very handsome and well-built young man. you kind of like me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Watch this, he he was a good looking dude because verse seven says, and Potiphar's wife, uh uh-oh, soon began to look at him lustfully. Sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held nothing back from me except from you, except you because you're his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God, self-management describes the ability to control your thinking, your emotions, and your behavior. See, in, in, let, me, let me give you two sides of self-management. The first was Joseph had access to the refrigerator. Now, Stay with me now, I used to work offshore and one of the greatest places to work offshore was with the cook. Now, you didn't make as much money as the company man, right? But, but at the end of the day, the cook can poison you. And not only that, I could get ice cream anytime I wanted. Matter of fact, I, I, lost 20, I, I was 20 pounds below weight because of dope. I gained 20 pounds above weight because of ice cream offshore. So, so But Joseph, the Bible said that he was a well-built man, but he had access to the refrigerator, I know that sounds funny, but they could have ate and drank all day long. He would have been literally a glutton and a drunkard, but he had self-management. Even though he had access to the refrigerator, it said he was a well-built man. He had self-management in taking care of himself, but he also had access to the bedroom, so he had the refrigerator door and the bedroom door. He didn't go to either door. Now, they had some of the greatest food of all times at that particular time period. He had access to, and let me say this, by the way, Potiphar's wife was easy on the eyes, if you know what I'm talking about. She wasn't, she wasn't bad looking. So here's Potiphar's wife. She probably has lingerie on when Potiphar's not there, painted all up, and seductive as they come seductive as they come, and he still didn't go through the refrigerator door or the bedroom door. I'm talking about self-management, folks. You got to know yourself through and through in order to take measures that are necessary for your success. You have to know yourself. That's right. It's time for the church, for people in general to know who they are. It's called self-introspection with the with the Holy Spirit putting that magnifying glass on you. The Bible says that the Spirit of God searches the deep things of a man, things that I might not even want some more Bible. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword, it penetrates our soul, living everything uncovered to him. The psalmist said, Lord, if there's any wickedness in me, let me know about it. And and so, yes, it's time to do some self-introspection with the help and the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to know yourself through and through. And when you see areas in your life, you have to claim them and say, yeah, that's right, and put in necessary stops, if you would, or or accountability measures in order to be a success. That's called self-management, by the way. You have to have self-management, that is, if you want to accomplish the dream. Joseph, Joseph would have been finished right there if he hit the refrigerator in the bedroom door. After he passes the self-management test, there's another test coming. And it's called the diligence test. The diligence test. Genesis chapter 39, verse 19. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about Joseph and how he treated her. Let me give you some context there. So Joseph had self-management. He never slept with Potiphar's wife. He never gave in at all. And eventually she was angry about it. And so because of her angry, or angerness, because of her deceitfulness, she framed the dude. She said, okay, you're not gonna sleep with me? Then I'm, I'm framing you for rape. She framed him for rape and told Potiphar he tried to rape me when actually Joseph was running from her. You know, she came out, grabbed his shirt, tried to take it off, this dude said, I'm out, and ran so fast, and this dude, this dude did a wind sprint. He ran so fast, he took his shirt off and left it behind. Woo, that's the self-management test. He, he booked it, he, he leaned on in, he said, I'm, I'm high trekking out of here, and she took his shirt and said, look, Potiphar, your servant tried to rape me. You know what Potiphar did? Threw him into prison, life sentence, you're out. He had to have diligence. Verse 20, so he took Joseph, threw him in prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. Verse 22, before long, the warden, now this is good. This is a good country song, right? You can't keep a good man down. (laughs) They need to write country songs. I'm not a country fan, but they need to write country songs about Joseph, right? Can't keep a good man down. So verse 22, before long, watch this, dude, this dude, man. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he could do to succeed. See, diligence forms credibility. And credibility is the foundation where people can put their trust on you. And credibility will not come unless you have diligence. When you stop complaining and start creating, you have the ability to, to produce credibility. You might be at a place in your job, in your business, where you don't want to be and where you don't think you're going to end up. But credibility says, I'm going to make it happen right here as I'm on the job until I go to the next level where God's leading me. That's what God's calling us to do. Diligence diligence. This guy had diligence, man. I'm talking about framed in prison. See, diligent people maximize the opportunities they have rather than the ones they wish they had. See, I got to maximize what I have now so that I can move to the next thing. I think that God is a good steward of people and that if we're faithful in that which is little, if we maximize with that which is little, whatever little means to you, Wherever you're at right now, whatever your financial level is, whatever your emotional level is, whatever your physical level is, whatever whatever your influential, influential level is. If you maximize that, then I believe you can take on a larger load, if you would, right? Diligent people. Joseph could have said to himself, I'm destined to rule. It's not my calling to supervise operations in an Egyptian prison. I'm out. He didn't. But wherever Joseph could make himself useful, he did. See, diligence today will open up doors tomorrow. I like John Maxwell quote. He said that success, he said this, he said, your daily agenda determines your level of success. Because what happens daily? Your diligence daily will actually open up doors for tomorrow. If I'm diligent today, I can guarantee there's gonna be a door tomorrow. Diligence. Then there's the discernment test. The discernment test. Joseph, man, he's awesome. Genesis chapter 41, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of dreams to you, clearly no one else is intelligent or as wise as you are. Let me give you some context. While in prison, running things, because he was framed, he got thrown in prison, running things for the warden, they had some guys that worked for Pharaoh himself, not Potiphar, Pharaoh, the top dog, and they were having some nightmares, and basically, Joseph interpreted their nightmares. He interpreted dreams for them, and they actually came to pass, and he was wise, he had discernment, Sometimes discernment's common sense. He said, dude, when you get out of jail, remember me. Tell somebody I'm down here. I interpret your dream, man. Come on now, do a brother a favor, you know? And uh, so bring you back up to speed. Pharaoh started having some nightmares. He called all his magicians. He called all of his, his wise men. He called all of the people who could see things of this nature. And no one could interpret this man's dream, Pharaoh. Now, he had all kind of people around him go study. They couldn't interpret his dream. He was furious. And then one of the guys said, hold up a second. I remember a Hebrew. His name's Joseph. He's down in the prison. He interpreted dreams and they came to pass. He said, go get the man. So they went and got him. They went and got him, shaved his beard. Come on now. He had to shave his beard. They put some good smelling sauce on him, set, set him in front of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh gave him his dream and he interpreted it. He not only interpreted his dream, he brought solutions. He brought administrative power to his dream. He brought discernment of not only what the dream meant, but what it would take to to bring the solution of the dream. And we pick back up verse 40. So Pharaoh said, seems like a pattern in Joseph's life. You will be in charge of my court. And all my people will take orders from you. Only I sitting on my throne will have a rank higher than yours. Here it is again. Now this is almost the pinnacle. That is the pinnacle. See, your giftedness will operate in every industry. Every industry on the planet Earth, which, 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 which includes humanity, your giftedness will operate. It operated in the pit, it operated in the prison, it operated in Potiphar's house, now it's operating right there in Pharaoh's place. See, the giftedness of God, your skill set is unbelievable when you begin to tap into it and begin to discern what's going on. See, discernment gives you the ability to identify and read patterns behind random events or actions. It... As the story unfolds, see, Joseph began to realize that it was the patterns of God. It was the circumstances of God that was bringing him to this place where he was right then. People today who go through stuff like that will definitely say, it's the devil. (laughs) But God, see, discernment begins to denote the patterns behind your actions. See, discernment gives you the ability to realize that if I continue to do the same thing and get the same results, I'm insane discernment gives, and I'm not talking about catastrophic things that come into our life that we have no no ability over. See, discernment gives you the ability to look at your uh, learned behavior, to look at your thinking processes, to begin to look at what you're speaking about, begin to see what you're talking about, begins to see who you're hanging around the most. And guess what? Discernment says, bam, my patterns have to change. That's discernment. See, people think I, I need discernment. I, 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 I've got I've, I've to I've be able to see, I've got to cast the devil out. Yeah, well, okay, you might discern if that's a demon or not, or just you, look in the mirror. <laughs> Before I think a demon, I always go look in the mirror and say, now, Casey, come on now, boy. All right, so, and, and I'm not making light, I'm just being honest with you. So yeah, discernment gives you the ability to differentiate between good and evil, but the, the discernment also gives you the ability to differenti- differentiate between good and God because it's good doesn't mean it's God. That's where so many people fail. They say it looks good, it smells good, it's God. Wasn't the case with Joseph, it smelled really bad. But discernment gives you the ability to connect the dots in your life. Discernment gives you the ability once you come to Christ to see the hand of God working and how you responded or didn't respond and how God still came through. And then it gives you the ability to have faith for the next level because you discerned all of what God was doing in your life up to that particular point, up to this day right now because I look back and scan the past from the time I came to Christ, even before Christ, and seeing the shifts and what God's doing all the way to this particular time period present right now, and then I'm able to see how the hand of God has operated in my life up to this point, which shows the pattern, which says I can trust God for the next 10 years. Discernment gives you the ability to do that. Christians are called not only to discern, but to trace the hand of God, to understand God's providence, his will, and his voice in your life, period. Joseph had discernment. And because of that discernment, he was ready for the compassion test. Because the compassion test was coming because it was about the 360 on him. His brothers sold him into slavery. All right? They sold him into slavery. God... God's hand was with him all the way up to the point where he's second in charge of all of Egypt. Because he passed the test, it wasn't an easy thing. That's why he passed the test that brought him to the next level. And because of that and the discernment, it brings him to the place of fulfillment. It brings him to the place where God was really going to define all of his workings in his life. Because see, at that time, there was a famine in the land and everybody was starving to death, basically. I mean, they were starving to death. And because of the dream that Pharaoh had and Joseph interpreted that dream, Joseph began to stack food and store away things and begin to administrate things. It was a business. He began to administrate things. And when people were hungry, the only people that had food was Pharaoh and, and, and his army, right? And so when people got word of that, where did they go? They knocked on the door. I need food. I'm hungry. We're starving to death. Guess who opened the door? Joseph. And Joseph was brilliant. Trump would want him on his team. I can promise you. <laughs> because when the people came to him for food, he said, what do you have? We have, we have money. Okay. Give me your money. Here's some food. Guess what happened? Eventually the food ran out. And so did the money. I mean, the money ran out, but not the food. They came back. We need more food. We're dying. What you got? We got no more money but we have land, I'll take your land too. Here's some food. Eventually, what do you have? I got horse, I got cattle, I got goods. I'll take that too. Eventually, we have nothing and we're starving to death. He said, great, great option. We'll purchase you, you belong to Pharaoh now. We'll feed you, get to work. Brilliant. Some of you are saying, that's that's terrible. No, brilliant, come on, brilliant. For you businessmen, say brilliant. (laughs) Brilliant. And eventually there was no food in his brother's house with the man of God, his father. And guess what they caught wind of? There's food in Egypt. So his father sent his brothers, the same brothers that sold him into slavery 13 years ago. And they came with gold and they knocked on the door and guess who opened the door? Joseph. And the Bible says they didn't even recognize him. He looked like an Egyptian. He smelled like an Egyptian. His eyes were painted like an Egyptian. He had all the power in Egypt, but he was a Hebrew. That'll work on your theology. And the Bible says that instead of having vengeance and revenge, he had mercy, the compassion test. Verse three, Genesis 45, I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery, but don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place, here it is. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your life. See, compassion is your ability to extend grace to the person who has failed you Joseph, just for a moment, stepped out of, he had an outer body experience, let's just say that, I'm not getting weird on you, and he looked back at humanity in its purest form, in their frailty, in their emotional dysfunction, in their bad choices, in their insecurity, in their inability to do things like he thought they would do, and said, it wasn't you, it was God that sent me here, I'm not going to look at your dysfunction, I'm not going to look at your mistakes, I'm going to look at you like God looks at you as a person who has flaws and I'm going to have compassion on you and I'm going to have mercy on you and I'm going to take care of you. It's forgiveness, folks. Compassion and forgiveness. And God gave him favor because Pharaoh said, look, go get you. He said, look, this this is my family. He said, go get your family. I'm going to give you land just for your family. Favor. Compassion brings favor and the final test that Joseph made all throughout these tests because it really ties into every test. It's called the choice test. The choice test, what made the difference? What was the difference with Joseph? What was the difference with Joseph and me? What's the difference? He's a man like I'm a man, what's the difference? It's called the choices he made. It's called the power of choice. I love free will. Some people hate it. I love diversity. Some people hate it. I love that God gave us the ability and the power to make choices that'll dictate our destiny. I love it. It's awesome. That's what set him apart. See, Joseph exercised the gift of choice. He chose a different path than his dysfunctional home might have dictated. He was a survivor of serious adversity. See, people become great when they use these experiences in their lives as defining moments. Every person has experience. Every person has a form of dysfunction somewhere in your pattern, somewhere in your lineage. But it's the defining moments that you make out of your experiences. And defining moments comes with choice. It's standing up and saying, I'm choosing today. I'm choosing today to make the right choice. I'm choosing today to say the right thing. I'm choosing today to believe the right thing, no matter if my mind and my emotions, I'm gonna just stand in it and make the right choice. It's the choice test, folks. Let me tell you something. Choices are amazing. Choices are amazing. Despite of such a background of Joseph today, you know what it's yielding in society? alcoholics, drug addicts, psychotic people, personality disorders, not for Joseph. And he didn't have any Adderall by the way. I'm not against medicine, but I am for choice. And I am for changing my neurological pathways and thinking like God thinks and changing the chemicals that are in my body because I'm agreeing with the word of God and I'm speaking faith and and I'm taking an optimistic standpoint. It says God can do anything in the midst of my adversity. That's right, come on. Absolutely. Watch this. At 30 years of age, Joseph became the prime minister of Egypt. It started with a dream it ended with the first scripture I read you when he put his signet ring on his finger. Because the dream is knowing your purpose in life. Your purpose is your giftedness and your passion combined. It's knowing your purpose in life, it's growing to reach your maximum potential, and growth only comes through those tests. And then it's finally, last but not least, sowing seeds that benefit others. He fed the multitudes and preserved the people of God. God always sets you up to help other people. Let's bow our heads with you. Father, I wanna thank you right now for this message. God, I I, I pray, and it was an earful, I know. I pray, God, that you would charge every single person. God, that, that, that you would inspire every single person in this room today, God. that that you would do something special and unique on the inside of them, that God, you would open up a crack of the door, that God, those who are just existing would begin to move into discovery mode and start discovering, start discovering their purpose, start growing to reach their maximum potential to ultimately sow seeds that benefit others. God, would you show them just the crack in the door Just the light, just just a glimpse is all we need. And they would have the confidence and the faith to start moving in that direction, whatever it may look like, God. God, if we could just grow one step today, if we could just take one thing and actually really do it and apply it and go through the pain of change, it's amazing. Father, I pray over every person in here. Some of you right now, it starts with Jesus. The dream starts with a real vibrant relationship with Jesus, not religion. Jesus, the creator, not a church service, the creator, the spirit of God. And some of you are in this house today and you say, I want a real relationship with Jesus. I might've grew up in church, I might've not, but I know in my nowhere, I know, I right now in my heart of hearts, I need a real relationship with Jesus. I don't need religion, I don't need a service, I need Jesus. If that's you, I'm going to pray with you right where you are. Right where you are in the seat, I'm going to pray with you. If you just lift your hand and put it right back down, I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, ma'am, for your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand there. Uh huh. Anybody else? Yes, sir, I see your hand. I see your hand, ma'am. The dream starts. See, God's dream is that all people would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's God's dream for humanity. I'm going to pray a prayer And I want you just to agree in your heart, say, that's me, God. And God's gonna meet you right where you are. Father in heaven, that's what you're saying to God. That's me, Father in heaven, that's me. Forgive me, Lord, for what I've done, what I haven't done, God, forgive me. I know I need a relationship with you. It's just that simple, God. I need a relationship with you. I need forgiveness. I need the gift of eternal life that was purchased at the cross of Calvary that I've heard about. I want that gift. I wanna receive that payment. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. Holy Spirit, come live inside of me. Make me the person you want me to be. Cause me to follow you, God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give it up, church, for those who prayed that prayer.
1: The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv slash connect and fill out the information, our lead pastor, Van De Cody, wants to send you a letter that tells you some steps to take in order to maintain your new relationship with God. We'll also give you some information about Northwood Church. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach. If you live in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website northwood.tv/locations for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv/give. You can give a one-time donation or you can sign up for our online community called MyNC and set up a recurring gift. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.